everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 86th episode of the podcast, airing the week of February 10th, 2020. Now, today I'm actually the host and the guest as I'm going to do my first solo podcast, which I've titled Let's Talk Pluto. Now, I figured with the full moon in Leo falling on my midheaven, what better time than any to do a solo broadcast? Um, Now, of course, we'll be past the full moon by the time that this airs to the public, but know that I am recording it under that energy. Now, I was also inspired recently by some Pluto musings um, online and some threads that I saw circulating on Facebook, or at least one in particular, and it kind of got me uh, focusing on Pluto as a planet and uh, specifically in the collective sphere, because we are definitely in Plutonian times right now. uh, And really, we're kind of in between, uh, we're in this zone of in between no man's land between major Pluto cycles uh, that are being initiated with Saturn, which we experienced in January, uh, Jupiter, uh, which is coming uh, three times this year, and Mars. uh, And both of those will happen in late March. So what better time than any now to really wax poetic on the Lord of the Underworld? Now, before we get started here, of course, I say every week, a fabulous way to show appreciation for this podcast and really my astrological efforts is to come on over and sign up for my weekly Patreon-exclusive astrology forecast or an audio cast, which comes out every Sunday uh, and has seven days of detailed astrology plus tarot polls and our Animal Ambassador of the Week. And I have a new segment called Ask Mel, where I answer patron questions. And I really do encourage people to ask me anything about uh, astrology, their own charts, you know, what have you. So uh, that's a fun little added bonus that wasn't in the previous version of this podcast. Now, uh, the rate starts at $5 per month to get the forecast itself, plus early guest interviews. So anytime I do a podcast, it goes there first. Um, And then, of course, all my Astro Storytime episodes, which I've done five of them. uh, And that's over six hours of me going through charts and sharing celebrity stories and mundane associations and observations. Uh, And so that is there, too. And for a few dollars more, you can do the $8 a month tier, which gives you access to all that I just mentioned, plus the ability to ask Mel. So if you want to find out more about that, you can go over to patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Now, if you'd like to show a one-time appreciation, uh, you can do a donation at Mel's Tip Jar, which is on the front page of energeticprinciples.com. Now, of course, you can always book a personal consultation with yours truly, and that, you know, all of this can be done through my site. Now, who's ready to talk about Pluto? I know I am. So here we go. Now, of course, the Leo Medheaven has to give herself applause, right? I just couldn't go on without the applause track (laughs) to lead me in. Um, So, all right, let's see. Now, there's a couple things that I want to talk about in this broadcast, and we're going to start with the question to acknowledge Pluto as a planet, because that was actually the uh, Facebook thread that I saw the other day that was coming from a traditional astrologer, and this, you know, this tends to happen because back in the day, you know, the ancient 
with our naked eye, we can only see out to Saturn. So when we're talking about these uh, outer planets, such as Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, and of course, there's all other things that are added these days too, um, but you know, we can't necessarily see those with the eyes. So the idea is, is that, you know, there are uh, certain astrologers out there that choose only to use up to Saturn. Now, of course, there's many other astrologers who's like, we have so many Pluto examples, there's no way, this is such a strong influence. And that's really what we're going to be kind of focusing on is more of the collective um, energies that come through these outer planets. And most, of course, Pluto, because that's the topic of this podcast. Um, Now, the, the interesting thing is that you know, Pluto, and this was one of the arguments actually on uh, the thread that I saw was that the science says that Pluto is not a planet anymore. Uh, you know, even NASA has demoted Pluto to a dwarf planet, uh, a dwarf planet rather. Um, and that is true. Uh, however, there is, uh, you know, just last year, only a handful of months ago, the NASA chief administrator, Jim Bridenstine, Brit- Bridenstine, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, but he actually reiterated that he believes Pluto is a planet and he explains why. So here is a clip uh, from Jim from his conference where he does a call out to make Pluto a planet again. Now, while we're on this topic of New Horizons, there's something else that I think is important to note. 2006, many of you in this room are aware that Pluto got downgraded from a planet to a dwarf planet. Boo, I hear some people booing. That's my sense. So that happened before these images we got in 2015 and before the science that we got in 2015. And some people have argued that a planet, in order to be a planet, you have to be able to clear your orbit around the sun. Well, what we now know is that if that's the definition that we're going to use, you could really undercut all the planets. They're all dwarf planets because there isn't a planet that clears its entire orbit around the sun. That being the case, I think it's a sloppy definition. Many of you have heard me say this publicly. I think the way you should define a a planet is based on its intrinsic values, not the values that constantly change like orbital dynamics. So when I think about Pluto and what we got back from New Horizons, here's what we know. Pluto has an ocean under its surface. Pluto has complex organic compounds on its surface. Pluto has a multi-layer atmosphere and Pluto has its own moons. I'm here to tell you, as the NASA administrator, I believe Pluto is a planet. And I'm going to continue to tell everybody that I believe Pluto is a planet. And I know there's a lot of scientists out there that agree with that assessment. Um, And we need to keep letting people know. Because that New Horizons mission was amazing. And it's giving us great information. So here we see from the, uh, you know, head of NASA himself that he fully believes Pluto is a planet, you know, based on uh, what NASA uses to dictate such things. Um, And so... I guess that argument is out the window if we have the NASA administrator and his colleagues uh, touting Pluto as a planet and is are working on upgrading that status again. 
Now, I will say that when it comes to planetary rulers, because when we are looking um, at signs, uh, you know, every sign has a planet that is associated with this. And there is a, you know, from the... uh, the, the horoscope of the beginning. There is a theme that uh, sets up these rulerships. And I do, I don't use, you know, the outer planets as rulers, uh, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, uh, because I think that just personally, you know, using rulership up to Saturn really works wonders. And so I totally support that. But I do think that these outers, uh, you know, there's still a strong collective presence at play. And really, this is kind of the meat of what I wanted to talk about in the podcast is the collective experience. So let's think about uh, Pluto in the relation of the collective experience. But first, of course, we're going to talk about uh, how it you know, situates in your own chart. Because we can be like, oh, it's collective and it's driving the force of humanity in certain directions and unearthing things. But when you go through a Pluto transit in your chart or you have a heavily uh, Plutonian chart to begin with, you feel that personally. (laughs) There is no doubt about it. Having a strong Plutonian chart myself um, and actually recently going through a lot of Pluto transits um, in the uh, from about 2010 to 2017, uh, I am very familiar with this planet over time. But what I started to think about uh, was that in our own charts, you know, I think that it can be more like a breakdown that occurs because Pluto as a planet is, um, you know, this is the Lord of the underworld. It's it's taking us on a journey below. It is uh, purifying something through instinctual upbringings. Um, and it can disintegrate, uh, not disintegrate in the sense that Neptune can, but it really erodes um, at uh areas of our life and we have to, that's why it gets associated with transformation because if something um, is changing uh, and there's a decay element going down, the only way to come out with life on the other side of it is to morph through this sense of transmutation or transformation. Uh, and so that's why we get that key word that goes along with Pluto. But when I think about Uh, you know, as far as your own chart and going through Pluto transits, that I think that there's still a collective experience at play because we are, you know, what's breaking down, what's decaying is changing our story. And it's morphing it more with the collective. Because if you believe in the idea of reincarnation or kind of having a soul's journey where we set ourselves up for things, then we can kind of look at Pluto as coming around to break down uh, whatever, you know, needs to go because there is a collective destiny at play that we must go down. Uh, And we may not be on that path yet. And sometimes uh, the, the trail literally has to erode before you realize that you can't walk down um, that way any longer. And so that's kind of the way I'm looking at Pluto uh, in in the chart as far as like a collective experience to it. Because yes, we can go through all these intense changes, but at the same time, I think that the changes that are happening and the breakdowns that occur and those kind of um, maybe even, you know, sometimes it's literal death, but a lot of times it's just psychological death and emotional death that might go through. Uh, But on the other side of it, it it reroutes us um, towards something that's more authentic and more in 
integrity with, you know, the buried treasure that lies within. And so that's kind of some of that Plutonian process at work. But when we think about Pluto just as a god, right, you know, this is the god of the underworld, the lord of the underworld. And we know that there is a dark and shadowy nature in the archetype. I mean, when you think of the underworld, (laughs) uh, you know, that is essentially a shadow of the collective. And so we're going to play on that point a a little bit here. Um, And... You know, and that's the thing is that we come up, we we have these generational shadows at certain times, they're provoked into the light, and then we see that shadow, and I think that's very uh, apparent right now um, in in the world, and I'll get into more of that later, Uh, but that's the thing is that the shadow of the collective comes up and that can be the death of ourselves or society as we know it, where we're facing a certain darkness that is within humanity and exposing what's hidden there so that we can essentially continue to evolve because that's another, uh, you know, maybe keyword that could be attached to this is the idea of evolution, but evolution from the standpoint of decay in order to do so. Now, when Pluto comes up, and and even just thinking about our own Pluto placements, um, there is deep conditioning there. There is instinctual response that is deep-rooted and is likely to come, you know, from the generation itself, much like how we tend to like the music of our own generation, right? And then time goes on, and you hear what's on the radio these days, and you're like, what is this crap? I can't believe they listened to this. You know, it's so much better back then. Um, And we can resonate with the good old days, I think, there, because it's part of our instinct. It's what we know. It's what we're conditioned with. And conditioning is not always the authentic self, right? If anything, it's usually not. And so we have to peel those layers away. And that might be part of the Plutonian process and uh, how we work as a generation to take our own role in uh, that energy and those archetypes that are taking place. Um, And, you know, when we think about Pluto, of course, there's going to be unconscious forces at play. And people are likely to act in ways or attract certain situations um, that are underlying these primal instincts, right? And so you might have heard, especially with modern astrology, that, you know, Mars or, or Pluto is the higher octave of Mars, you know, that warrior uh, spirit, Um because, you know, Mars is destructive. It's a destructive force. It goes out, it conquers, it can cut, um, it goes after what it wants. It's kind of ruthless in that sense, or it can be. Um, and so if we were to subscribe to that concept that Mars is the higher octave, or excuse me, Pluto is the higher octave of Mars, keep getting mixed up, um, it's interesting because the Mars can ha- Mars can have a, a bit of ego. Now, I know that's shared with the sun as well, but... When I think about Pluto, I think about ego death, or uh, or if there isn't ego death, then there's a kind of a relentless and probably a destructive fight that goes on when we interact with Plutonian energies. Either the either the ego has to die to be reborn, or there's just a relentless fight that will take everything down with it in order to you know uh, g- whatever you're fighting for, basically. And that doesn't have to be just a personal thing. That can be a, a, a societal collective response, a generational response where you're all on the same page. Either you're all dying together or you're all fighting together to uphold. And so 
that's just another concept I kind of wanted to bring out there. Now, when we're still going on the idea of unconsciousness, um, you know, when something's unconscious, we tend to project it, right? It's the issue of projecting darkness um, and where, uh, you know, the unconscious, we unconsciously uh, can bring things about because it is it just projected out. Um, and, and so that's what we're going to take into account when I, I'm going to go through Pluto through the signs, or at least the signs that are prominent now in today's society as far as, you know, who's, who's living, <laughs> um, and how each sign may project out something unsavory without uh, the ability to see itself quite clearly, right? Because when you think of unconscious forces, they're unconscious. If it's unconscious, you're not conscious of it. <laughs> so that's the thing is I think a lot of times we're fighting these Plutonian fights, whether it's collectively or individually, um, and it's still on an unconscious level. And that's the hard part is seeing clearly. And sometimes things have to go down in pretty dramatic ways and possibly destructive ways in order to get that clarity through that process. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking as far as like looking at the generational influence um, and bringing in that unconscious aspect that's at play. Because the unconscious can drive us to do wonderful things where we're just wired to, uh, you know, propel in a certain direction. But there's also with every light, there is a dark and there's an unconscious dark force that is there too that gets played out. So, you know, not one Pluto is better than the other. They have their, all have their strengths and they all have their potential weaknesses. Uh, and as a society and as generations, we kind of figure this out together and it really molds the changing uh, face of the world in the process. Now, um, you know, and we have to say that Pluto is also a force of power. It is, you know, we're seeing it right now as Saturn conjunct Pluto uh, in the skies. And, and we see what just happened in the Senate with the, you know, Trump and the impeachment and all that. And I have to say, I was not surprised because Saturn and Pluto together, um, you know, in Capricorn, that is a conservative uh, influence. And uh, Pluto is about a power play and Saturn's in his own sign. And so that's, you know, the astrology really checked out there. Of course, it doesn't go along with a lot, what a lot of us would have liked, but you know, it shows you that force of power at work um, and uh, kind of who's in, in charge, <laughs> you know, of that. And now some of, uh, okay, so here's the thing to think about too, because, you know, obviously we're born into a Pluto generation, but in the terms of power, and when we're talking about political power more than anything, because political power and systems is pretty much what drives our societal you know, structures for the most part. Now, of course, business is definitely in there. Um, that's a whole nother thing. But when we think about, um, you know, who is in power, that usually doesn't come around. You know, the generations don't have their say until, uh, you know, elder years. Um, you know, it's just a couple st uh, statistics here uh, for members of Congress, for say. So uh, the House of Representatives, like typically if someone's going to be elected into the House of Representatives, um, the, a newly elect, they're going to be anywhere from about 48 to maybe about 52 years old, typically. Now, of course, there's always different scenarios, some people younger, some people older, but we're just talking about, you know, kind of baseline data here. 
So we see people get in there in the late 40s, early 50s, but most of the representatives are kind of hovering around the 57, 58-year-old zone. Now, with the senators, it's a little bit higher in years, with the average senator being about 61 or 62 years old, which coincidentally is kind of right after that second Saturn return. Um, But the point I'm trying to uh, basically state is that you know, when we think of our body politic right now, the for the most part is comprised of Pluto and Leos and Pluto and Virgos because they are old enough to take these uh, positions of power now. Um, now, of course, there are exceptions because there was younger blood coming in, and especially in the elections that happened in uh, 2018. But when we think about the majority um, that are seated at the bench <laughs> or, you know, in the chambers— These are Pluto and Leo and Pluto and Virgo people. And so that's just something to keep in mind and that our our power around our generation might actually um, not kind of come into shape uh, until we get into those elder years. Now, I'll I'll illustrate maybe when that's not always at play, but that's kind of a general uh, to the world, to the rule. Now, every... uh, you know, every generation is bound to uh, tear down something, right? It's bound to tear down something. It's bound to probably bring up traumatic periods that lead us into some sort of rebirth because that's just the nature of life, you know? Um, but I think that that kind of rebirth uh, in that transformative cycle that I had mentioned earlier uh, kind of stems um, from the from the unconscious, right? It has to... because. Okay, so what I'm trying to say is that Pluto unearths, which is very apparent with Pluto and Capricorn right now, but Pluto unearths. It lives below, right? It's it's the lord of the underworld. And so it unearths, it brings unconscious forces to the surface, and it's likely to be very faded. Um, but we move through those uh fateful moments in those potentially traumatic periods in order to evolve as a species and as, um, you know, humanity. And so, you know, another side of Pluto, once we get through it, right, because <laughs> that's the whole thing, you can't go around Pluto, you got to go through it, um, is that we can heal through Pluto. But first, we have to kind of experience the sickness before healing can occur, Um, And we're seeing that. We're seeing that in the world right now. There is a deep sickness um, that needs to be addressed. Uh, And the only way that's going to happen is if, you know, kind of fire and brimstone comes down and challenges our current way of living. Um, And that could, you know, we might feel like things are out of our control um, or we are blaming, you know, there's always blame going around. You're the problem. You're the problem. You know, we are all the problem, I guarantee you. (laughs) Um, But that, you know, that's kind of a displacement of of Pluto and and marginalization too, which I'm going to talk about here in, in a little bit. But keep in mind that there is that healing experience there, but the only way to get to that is usually through these very disruptive um, and uh, destabilizing forces that are coming through to kind of bulldoze the old and into the new. Um, And I can really speak to this on my own experience when just going back to personal, uh, you know, charts because I am that Pluto native and I've gone through the Pluto transits. And so anybody that tries to tell me that Pluto is not a planet, uh, yeah, (laughs) 
<laughs> but that's just me. So now let's get on to these uh, Pluto generations because um, I I kind of find this concept fascinating to how the generational uh <sighs> How, how these larger archetypes of these signs and paired with Pluto and everything we just talked about with Pluto, right? We're talking about unconscious forces. We're talking about maybe more uh, fateful um, happenings that are on a grander scale that move humanity. We're talking about power, who's in power uh, and who has control. Um, we're talking about uh, just the, you know, healing the planet versus destroying it. You know, <laughs> there's people that are helping in one area. There's people that are helping in another. Um, and so let's look, take a look at the generations um, to see kind of how they might be interacting with this whole, you know, the humanity. And so, of course, we're going to start with the Pluto and Leos because it's Leo. It's the sign of the sun. Um, and really, they're, you know, the majority of people in power um, that are are Pluto and Leos. You know, anybody that is... Uh, so basically, Pluto was in Leo from 1937 to 1957. And keep in mind, as I say these dates for each um, generation, that the dates that are on the end, like 37 and 57, that's it's subjective because Pluto moves so slow that it really can take almost two years to move in and out of a sign and get resituated. Uh, so there are those cusp years and they're extra pronounced. So if you just happen to fall in one of those cusp years, you know, of course, it's like you're straddling, <laughs> you're straddling the area. So, um, and another thing to keep in mind, too, is that due to Pluto's orbit, uh, you know, Pluto can be in some signs much longer than other signs. And so, uh, you know, Pluto and Leo is one of those examples where it is a longer transit. Here we have 20 years worth of Pluto in Leo. Um, and, to th- you know, when we think about Pluto's cycle, the last time Pluto was in Leo before that point was from 1692 uh, to 1712. So it takes some time to uh, go get back to these uh, bigger archetypes at play um, and why these are slow moving. It's, uh, it's the slow evolution of humanity, basically. Now, of course, when we think of Pluto in Leo, we're going to think about the boomers, the boom, the baby boomers, because most, you know, that was, of course, maybe on the earlier end of things when we're in the 30s, uh, that wasn't quite baby boomer time. But, you know, from about 42 uh, to 57, that is all boomer territory. Now, I also think it's kind of funny when we think about the boomers versus the millennials, because you see that, you see it in the, you know, in the media all the time where, uh you know, baby boomers are calling out millennials for being snowflakes or something like that. And millennials are saying, you messed this whole place up, you know, and there is this contention between those two generations, um, whether it's just media conceived or there actually is, you know, some type of tension there. But I mean, think about it. The boomers are Pluto and Leo. The millennials are Pluto and Scorpio. These are natural signs that square. And so, General, gener, gener, I can't think of the word. Uh, um, generationally, I think that's what I'm trying to say. Um, these two are, you know, at cross purposes with one another, and they have different agendas uh, at play. 
And so, but they both have unconscious forces when we're talking about Pluto that are projecting probably on one another, you know, like, I don't know if I would call necessarily a Pluto and Scorpio uh, uh, a snowflake <laughs> per se, you know. Of course, it comes back to conditioning, right? Where I was talking about conditioning earlier. Um, and, you know, the the Pluto and Leo people, especially if they grew up during war times, the earlier generation, you know, that these are harder times. These are more meager times. Um, it's not the, uh, the booming economy of the 80s and the the... 90s and, you know, what was going on there. And so, of course, conditionally, these generations are brought up completely different. Um, But just as signs, you know, squares, this is people that are at cross purposes to one another. So it doesn't surprise me that these two generations have kind of um, taken it upon them to go uh, after each other in some ways. Now, we have to think about the planetary rulers, uh, that are, you know, when we're approaching these Pluto signatures. So when we think about Pluto in Leo, we think about the archetype of the sun. And the sun is the center of everything, right? It's the ruler of the kingdom. It, it, it is the shining light. It's very egocentric in that sense. Um, and that might be part of the Pluto in Leo generation is actually, uh, you know, realizing uh, this kind of, um, I don't know, I just, I want to say self-centeredness, but <laughs> um, but it, I don't know, it just gives for a very unconscious, egoic, per, per, um, uh, unconscious, uh, what am I trying to say? Egoic projection, that's the word I'm looking for that's at play. And the sun, the sun, everything revolves around it. It thinks it knows best. It's maybe even blinded by its own light. Um, And so that's part of this Pluto and Leo generation. Um, And just rulership in general, when we think of the sun and why this generation might be bringing up the, you know, kind of unconscious reactions around just Uh, you know, who's in charge to begin with. And so, of course, we see this with the Trump phenomena, right? Because, you know, regardless of how you feel about Trump, he is the perfect collective shadow representative of this generation. You know, he's got uh, Leo on the ascendant. He's got Mars in Leo near the ascendant. Of course, he has uh, Pluto in Leo. Now, so he's, you know, he's really speaking to that generation of, of people from, you know, 1937 to 1957. And of course, he speaks to other generations as well. Um, but there, you know, there's so much to be said around. I don't, I have so many friends <laughs> that are like, just kind of dread even like having this conversation with their their father or their mother or whatever, because they're just not seeing eye to eye um, with uh, politics. Because, you know, this man is speaking for his generation. And my dad's a perfect example of that. My dad has a crazy chart that is just this fixed T-square going on. And he has Leo rising with uh, Mars, Saturn, and Pluto all pretty much conjunct near the ascendant. So if that's not super Leo, I don't know what is. But, you know, he is one of Trump's biggest fans. He thinks he's disguised just the the best thing since sliced bread, and he's the answer to all our problems, right? Um, And that's, you know, I can't fault him for that because Trump is speaking to his generation. He's speaking to my dad, right? Um, And 
it, you know, and he's really speaking to people that are marginalized. And that's another thing I want to kind of get to about um, Pluto uh, just being attached with marginalization of people. Um, let me grab something here. So I'm working on the fly. Um, because in some way, the outer planets have been known to represent marginalized people. Um, and we see that Trump actually fits into that characterization of speaking, you know, to the working class and the people that he are feeling like they're ousted out and, you know, jobs are dying and, and uh, you know, the country that they knew is now gone um, and they're just marginalized in some way, right? But at the same time, there have been attacks on marginalized people through the same administration, too. So he's like, you know, with the, with the uh, you know, immigrant situation uh, at the border and the whole border, you know, situation and people seeking asylum. And these are marginalized people, too. Um, but he speaks to one and he, uh, you know, is fighting against the other, right? And so I just wanted to share... Um, just some planetary concepts with uh, by uh, Jolene Jacoby. I think that's how you say their name. Um, and it's based on a psyche structure. Uh, and so basically imagine a pyramid. And so we have at the top of the pyramid, we have the leader, right? Um, and right below the top, we have the ruling class, which is represented by the sun, Pluto and Leo, right? <laughs> uh, we have the middle class, which is represented by Mercury and Venus. Then we have Jupiter that kind of does a whole governing over ruling class and middle class. Now, once we go further down, we get to working class, which we have Saturn and Mars, our two favorite malefics there. Um, And then we have the moon kind of overlooking both the working class and the middle class. Now, down at the very bottom of our pyramid, we have the dispossessed groups, um, and that's where we're going to find Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, um, and that's kind of where that marginalization idea comes in to where these collective forces uh, put certain people in, in certain areas of the world, and we all might find ourselves there at certain places of time. Um, where they're in marginalized situations and things are out of their control, right? But just thinking about Pluto and Leo and in relation to Pluto being the marginalized, yet the Leo energy is, you know, the sun at the top and the leadership and the ruling class, they're, they're not necessarily next to each other, are they? <laughs> they're, they're, it's hard to understand that, Um or resonate with it because uh, the desire is to just be on top in whatever way that they can. Um, or at least that's kind of what I'm seeing on the outside. And of course, everyone is different. There's th- These are all just generalizations um, for more collective energies at play. But I just thought that was interesting with the marginalization that's happening because there's capitalization happening off people that are marginalized to have the power that one has. But at the same time, that power was also grabbed through blaming and scapegoating marginalized people uh, for the other marginalized people's problems, right? And so these are unconscious forces at play that are calling for our attention and we need to work through. So of course, Pluto and Leo, a lot of people are in power with this signature and this generation. 
Now, when we move on to Pluto in Virgo, um, we have, so Pluto in Virgo was around 1957 to about 1972. Now, of course, give or take those cusp years. And so we're moving out of a sun-ruled Pluto to a Mercury-ruled Pluto. Um, And I also think of just purification in general associated with Virgo, because that is one of the the assets of Pluto and going through Pluto, a Plutonian process, is purifying something to its core. Um, And this might be part of, not might be, it probably is a decent... you know, association to put with the Pluto in Virgo generation. Now, so here, you know, there's unconscious forces basically projecting out and and calling for changes in the areas of uh, maybe information or health or making literal tangible changes to the earth because this is Pluto in Virgo. It is here to change something that we can touch. Um, And of course, to me, we have a changing Earth that's happening. Uh, and I think that a lot of the Pluto in Virgo generation is going to have to deal, um, as far as the point of power, with the climate impact and, and purifying pollutants and planetary stress agents that are breaking down the Earth uh, and really changing the way, you know, the whole face of our planet. Um, and I'm hoping that these Pluto and Virgo people can help Uh, move that agenda further along into purification. Now, it also makes me think, too, because, uh, well, let me go on the purification thing, too. Now, this is kind of the dark side of, because everything has a light and a dark. Um, And, of course, Pluto brings the dark. And some of the dark side of Virgo can be actually extreme purification. And we have to watch for that, um, especially in the rise of what looks like dictatorships around the world. Um, you know, and when we think of the time of, of any type of mass extermination of people, you know, that is the approach of that or the collective unconscious, you know, projection that was coming out was trying to purify something that was dirty or bad or, you know, just inhumane. Um, And so that's kind of the dark side of of this position in my mind. It just depends on what we're purifying and for what what reason there. And so... um, I'm hoping that it's not in in that sense, uh, and I'm hoping it's more in the sense of the environment, purifying the environment. But know that it can be, uh, it's hard to say. Um, Now, another uh, interesting point, too, because when we think about Virgo, we think about uh, service and work, right? Um, And so there's changes that are going on there as we, uh, you know, we're at the advent of automation, And society is moving out of the production of the industrial age. You know, we have Saturn and uh, Jupiter and Saturn that are about to meet at zero degrees Aquarius at the end of this year and ushering in a 200-year cycle of air triplicity, uh, you know, go— where we are moving out of a production age and we're moving further into an information um, and technological age and jobs just aren't what they were anymore and we have to— reinvent um, and and deal with the changing face of uh, our work, you know, what we do and what we're in service to in this planet. Um, And that might be a side of the Pluto and Virgo generation that as they increasingly become even more in power um, and continue to hold power over the next, you know, 
you know, 10, 20 years, um, that's probably something that they're going to have to contend with as well. And then same with, uh, you know, when we think of Mercury, it's the Mercury-ruled sign. Now, I think a lot of Mercury, uh, you know, uh, Pluto and Virgo has really helped uh, uh, move forward the technological advances going on um, and and build the internet. You know, these are the people that have helped uh, really perpetuate the world that we live in now. But of course, when I think of Virgo, it also, also brings me back to health. And we think of Mercury and we think of the caduceus. Um, and we know that the healthcare industry is riddled with corruption and, and just bad deals going on there that is just not helping anybody except the companies themselves. And so I think that this might be part of... Uh, you know, Pluto and Virgo generation as well is like purifying and calling out some of the corruption, uh, hopefully not playing into it, right? Because that's the thing, the shadow side can play into it. You can perpetuate that or you can help heal it. It's a, it's, it's really a choice. Um, and it just depends on what side of history you want to be on at that point. But I think that that generation is going to have to deal with that as well. The issue of healthcare, the issue of the environment, um, and the issue of the changing face of, uh, you know, what work looks like in our modern age. Now, of course, we get to the Pluto and Libras. I'm a Pluto and Libra here. Um, and, you know, and it's so interesting to think about, too, because these generations, they coincide with things, too. You know, like when Pluto and Libra came about 1972 through 1984, you know, this in, uh, coincided with the increasing um, of sexuality in the 70s and the early 80s, right? You know, sex just got freer. Uh, there was changing dynamics of relationships. Women were gaining more independence, uh, you know, the idea of marriage and the partnership, uh, you know, all the Pluto, or sorry, sorry all the Neptune in Libras uh, might have found that their unions might have separated when Pluto got into Libra um, not too long after that. Uh, you know, the glow of the perfect marriage. People wanted to be free, They, you know, or I don't know. There was just contention going on in relationships, but there was also much more free connection happening too. And just women gaining independence. I mean, it wasn't even until like in the early 80s, you'd still, if you were a woman and wanted to get a credit card, uh, you'd have to get your hu- your like husband's, you know, signature, like, or say you were separated or something. You wouldn't be able to do anything without this other person, you know, the man's consent. And, it, you know, we think we're as evolved as we are, but some of these issues, um, when we're talking about race and gender, like, they're not that, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the advances we've made are really recent in the terms of just longstanding history. So just keep that in mind as we try to race forward uh, because humanity can only move as as quickly as it can move. You know, people are stubborn, um, but that's not an excuse. Now, if, okay, so here we have the Pluto and Libra generation and we have this Venus ruled, you know, Pluto, which is a whole different type of Pluto. Um, and to me, you know, it really seems like a harmonizing quality to this generation because um, we're kind of caught in the middle, right? We're, we aren't the boomers. We aren't the millennials. It's hard for them to even put, a, you know, a, a generational term on, you know, I was born in 79 and, and just that weird straddle zone. Am I generation X? Am I generation Y? Am I generation 
I think they had a new name recently. And so um, we're really caught in the middle. And that is so Pluto and Libra to me, uh, kind of straddling these big cultural shifts and maybe playing, um, you know, where we find ourselves uh, as kind of a diplomatic uh, in between uh, to kind of negotiate maybe the... um, stronger contentions between the generations, uh, you know, and balancing things out. And it's so interesting, too, because I think that a lot of us Pluto and Libras are finding ourselves in the sextile with our parents, uh, with Pluto and Leo, right? Um, And where we're having a hard time finding the balance um, and diplomacy to successfully interact with opposing views because, you know, uh, so many of us can go home uh, for the holidays and no one wants to talk politics at this particular time because everyone is, you know, just really divided in, in that zone. And so we're kind of like this in-between <laughs> generation, <coughs> excuse me, that is trying to find like you know, the diplomatic solution and all this. We, how can we all win? How how do we weigh these sides? You know, where's the balance within all this? And so one of the things that Pluto and Libra generation might be um, tackling is actually when we find that we end up having the, to uproot a really corrupt legal system. And we're already seeing signs of that uh, happening um, it with who you know, if, depending on how you feel about the current you know Senate decision that just went down, but that's you know this is no new news. This has been happening on many levels of um, the legal system from the very low courts to the very high for much time. And so there there is corruption that plays there, and I'm wondering if the Pluto and Libras are going to make a contribution to that. Um, now, of course, they can further it even more, or they can, uh, you know, help move move that into new areas and uproot that system um, and really move forward with a new way of a, a due process, right? Um, now, another thing, too, is that our generation continues to uproot marriage and relationship dynamics and the equality of the sexes and what the face of, uh, you know, like, companionship even looks like, um, and just uh, all the people that are involved. And we, we see that. That's a wonderful thing about the age we're living in right now. And I think that the Pluto and Libras will continue to uh, perpetuate is this idea of, you know, you can love anybody. It doesn't have to be this traditional thing that we put on. You know, the face of partnership um, and connection is, is changing, and um, that looks different for everyone. Uh, and that you know, we need to open up, we need a Venus, we need to open up to that a bit more and, and realize that you can't put a definition on love, you know, uh, as much as you try, you can't. So that's one of some of the things that I was thinking the Pluto and Libras might have to deal with. Now, keep in mind, as I said earlier, with who is in power, uh, you know, more Pluto and Libras, uh, there are a few out there, but as far as like when we talk about our, our bigger um you know, the House of Representatives. And of course, I'm speaking to just the U.S. right now because that's just where I live. Um, But, you know, we're going to see more Pluto and Libra start to enter that space probably as the decade starts to wear on um, because most of us are in our, you know, late 30s through uh, almost like 
almost to 50 here. So we're getting there. Um, but in another 10 years' time, you're going to see way more Pluto and Libras in power, at least politically. Now, that moves us on to the Pluto in Scorpio, right? So our 1984 to 1995 babies, um, give or take. Uh, so... So here we saw, so we saw what hat Pluto and Libra and the disintegration of, you know, the traditional partnership and the changing face of, uh, you know, c- connection and, and interpersonal relations. Um, and of course, one of the things that we know about Pluto and Scorpio is that at the beginning of it, that is really when the collective had to go through that sectional re- sexual reckoning of the AIDS virus that swept through and people got much more cautious, Right. Because this is a Mars-ruled sign. Mars just came in and just swept. <laughs> and we talked about earlier how Mars if Mars uh, and Pluto, you know, Pluto being the higher octave of Mars, if you want to go with that kind of modern astrology um, association, uh, we can see that correlation just getting even stronger. You know, it just, I mean, it makes sense that Pluto and Scorpio would be kind of the most intense position of that being the characteristics of Pluto and the characteristics of the sign Scorpio. Um, so, so that was, you know, that was shocking and scary for a lot of people uh, during that phase um, as, you know, sex wasn't safe or we had to have safe sex. Uh, and we saw the implications of um, the, you know, what Pluto and Libra b- brought. Because really all these generations, they play off, off of one another, not only as they go through by transit, but like I'm saying, when we get to our elder place of power and we get to utilize our Pluto in different ways, um, that's when we're going to see kind of how these, you know, forces play out. So, when I think about Pluto and Scorpio, I mean, wow, I think this generation is bound to really make significant changes and have to uh, maybe use martial force in the process. You know, this is a Mars-ruled uh, Pluto here. And of course, uh, you know, of course it can heal the world, right? Or it can destroy it. It just depends on where that generation is at. Now, I will say that even just myself being a Pluto and Libra generation and meeting people that come in, have come in uh, through Pluto and Scorpio, Pluto and Sagittarius even, I feel like these people, you know, each generation is just more evolved, uh, you know, kind of in a spiritual uh, perspective um, that's outside of itself than you know, like they get things quicker or just have an overall understanding or a sense of maturity faster. I'm I'm not sure, but uh, that's just kind of what I was picking up, you know, and, and so we, our evolution is quickening at the same time too. And I think that's hopefully the upside to the Pluto and Scorpio generation is that uh, they, they can help heal the world rather than destroy it. But, you know, this is unconscious. So there's going to be people that are going to do one and there's going to be people that are going to do the other. And this is really power grabs at its finest when Pluto and Scorpio comes around um, and is going to be in power as a generation. So we'll really have to wait to find out. Uh, it, It could really, you know, it could be that they have extreme unconscious forces to contend with. Uh, where the damage of the Pluto and Leo age, you know, they're already complaining about that. You messed, <laughs> you messed this up, you know? And so the damage from the Pluto and Leo uh, generation could actually haunt 
you know, very Scorpio, haunts the Pluto and Scorpios as time goes on. Um, and perhaps we will find that they really aren't that different after all, actually, uh, with just how much power um, <laughs> that they hold. I think, you know, familiarity breeds contempt, so it's kind of funny that these two fixed uh, Pluto signs are going after one another um, in the media. But uh, that's just something to think about, because when these people are in in power, chances are they're going to have to contend with something that is, uh, that needs a Pluto in Scorpio, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, So now we won't see the influx of Pluto and Scorpio start to dominate the body politic until about another 20 years or so. So, you know, they're just not there yet in that position of power. But that doesn't mean power can't be had other ways, but... In our current society, you know, that's how we dictate things is through our societal structures, uh, and that is politics. So now we move on to the Pluto and Sagittarius generation, and we're looking at about 1995 through 2008. Now, of course, these kids are still young for the most part. Uh, Not all of them. Some are actually, wow, 25 now. Where does the time go? Um, But, you know, so... This is definitely a different flavor than Pluto and Scorpio, I'd say. But I want to note right away, actually, that if you remember the Parkland shooting um, that happened in uh, in Florida a couple years ago and how the teenagers rose up, you know, uh, to fight the uh, government and to get gun control. And of course, they only made it so far because we have deeply rooted entrenched systems. But there was a whole movement. And what was interesting about that particular, at least the senior class that was really taking the, um, the uh, you know, the spearheading this whole um, protest. Uh, these were basically when that shooting happened, the Mars was in Sagittarius and was conjunct their natal Pluto, this generation of teenagers. And so their Pluto was activated at that point. So we actually got a taste of kind of that that fight and that um, that you know righteous belief of what's right and true and needs to be done. Um, you know, because this is a Jupiter ruled Pluto, right? It's it's wanting change. It's trying to uh, you know move things forward and, and grow. Uh, and they clearly saw a problem, and they were using the Plutonian power of change to uh, Jupiter it forward um, and try to move that forward. Now, of course, it's hard to. Um, you know, move concrete (laughs) at times, and especially when you're young, because people don't necessarily take you as seriously. Um, And you see that with the the Greta thing happening too, uh, with her own journey as well. Um, So, so it's, it's interesting because this is a combination where, you know, that has Jupiter. So, Pluto, we already know the Plutonian forces at play. Well, Jupiter can help bring us to growth around that. But Jupiter can also blow that up and aggrandize that more, um, which that could be the shadow side of this generation. But the plus side to that could be the blowing up, the aggrandizing of what needs to change, you know, like really like tooting the horn of what has to, you know, be transformed within this societal, you know, (laughs) the, the collective influence. And so, 
I, you know, I think that they're going to be part of this unearthing of uh, societal beliefs, our morals, our religion, uh, you know, what the meaning of being alive even is at, at this point, you know, and, and really uprooting that and, and helping to change the outlook or bring about situations that, um, you know, move the moral compass a little bit. And so, uh, you know, it could be a changing force of just the journey of existence and what's going on there. Um, Yet, this is the thing, too, is if we're Jupiter, Jupiter trumps anything up, right? And so if beliefs are trumped up, we might find that this generation can align with righteous destruction as well, Um, where there's just, if if something doesn't go along with their moral code or their beliefs, then you're, you're marginalized, you're an outsider, you're, um, you know, and that's where the destruction can come. So we'll have to see how that's going to turn out, of course, and what agenda will be happening um, there. Uh, but we won't see them in power for another 25 to 35 years, unless they seize it. <laughs> it is Jupiter, after all. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Actually, that'd be probably more the Pluto and Scorpio. Um, but... Yeah, that's funny. So I left a note for myself saying, I don't know if the Scorpio generation would let that happen, though. Um, And it'll be interesting to see the two of them interact with each other in politics, you know, because right now we have Leo, Pluto and Leo and Pluto and Virgo kind of, you know, belting it out um, in the uh, political sphere. Um, And we know signs that are next to each other don't necessarily have as much, uh, you know, kind of in common. Um, And so there can be uh, blind spots to working with each other. So it's interesting to think about. Now, of course, we have our Pluto and Capricorn babies, uh, you know, 2008 through uh, 2023, 2024. That's when Pluto is going to leave Capricorn. So we're not quite there yet. Um, We have to keep in mind that the last time Pluto was in Capricorn was when the U.S. became a nation. And so we're actually headed to our Pluto return as a country. Um, And, you know, many astrologers, including myself, have noted how, you know, that's going to affect the nation. There are deep changes that are happening here in America. Um, And we've really been seeing it since the ingress back in 2008. Uh, You know, that's the thing is like you think about a Saturn return. Of course, we have our exact Saturn return, but the second that Saturn moves into your own Saturn sign, you start to feel it. It's a slow move. It's a slow process. Pluto is a slow erosion, too. You know, it's it's just, it keeps eroding away until one day you just fall through it, <laughs> basically. And so we're going to have our, uh, we're going to have three passes of Pluto return for the country uh, in 2022, just a couple years from now. So, This is where we're headed. This is part of this, uh, you know, the generation that is being seeded right now. Because think about it. These children that are being brought up right now um, in this rapidly changing world and one that is riddled with societal power structures that are on the decline, uh, you know, uh, anti-capitalism. A lot of young people don't want things as much anymore, um, you know, and I think that they're going to, over time, when they get to their point of power, they're going to invoke new power regiments, new laws, new government approach, uh, just new business approach, and it's probably all going to likely to stem from this point in time as they grow up. 
with this unconscious conditioning that is currently at play. And so our Pluto and Capricorn uh, generation is not going to be in power for another 40 to 50 years from now. Uh, So there is something to say about the transit as Pluto goes through these signs, but also the generational influence of the people born into these areas and when they reach their point of power and how they use it. So, um, you know, that's... I find that fascinating. And so that's really where I leave off here. Now, of course, we're going to have Pluto and Aquarius generation that will be uh, here before we know it, because time surely does fly, especially the older that you get. Um, but I wonder if they will usher, you know, kind of really usher us into that age of Aquarius that people have been talking about since the 60s. <clears throat> Now, all I know is that the 21st century is bound to be uh, moving further and further into the air triplicity because, as I said earlier, Jupiter and Saturn meet there uh, later this year at the beginning of Aquarius for a, to start a 200-year air cycle. And so the future is already here. All we need to do is go through the unconscious forces of destruction in order to shed away the collective shadow just enough to reach the piece of utopia that we are all looking for. Now, if only we could agree on what that is. And I guess that is a discussion for another time. Well, I hope you enjoyed this solo broadcast. You know, once again, if you want to support this podcast and stay up to date with the planets each week, consider signing up for my weekly Patreon show. You can find that at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. And I will be back next week with Spencer Michaud when we discuss this year's Pisces season. So until then, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, may the stars be with you. 